BBCC episode 98, my realization of the day. You know, if I'm going to go out in a mechanical apocalypse, then you're damn right I'm going to be doing it, drinking a nice cold Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, straight from the US of A, our country, our trucks, our Bic pens, our Bibles, our toilet paper, our beers, we made you. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror films. I'm your host, Devon Taylor. Sitting with me, of course, in the digital void, I got Garrett McDowell. Vroom, vroom, Devon. Vroom, vroom. That's, that's me starting our engines for the podcast for the episode today. Vroom, vroom, <laughs> indeed. If there was a, uh, if uh, we were doing video for this, I would uh, put the camera by the window because I do have a ominous construction truck just chilling <laughs> outside my apartment building. Devon, watch out. It's, it's been there for, <laughs> like, literally, it's been there since I started the movie. I was like, that's kind of funny timing. Uh, oh, yeah, um, we're, we're back in, in car land for today as we keep trucking through Stephen King adaptations. Aha, gotcha. very nice. Um, very nice. With uh, his, his sole directorial effort, uh, Maximum Overdrive, because... Uh, at the uh, tomorrow after this uh, episode's release, but whenever you listen to this, it'll be Stephen King's birthday. So we're wishing um, happy birthday, Steve. Happy birthday, Steve King. And I did say uh, I'm gonna put a little treat at the end of uh, this episode. Um, something that I made like five, six years ago that was incredibly stupid. Um, but Can't I think wait. you guys, I think you guys will get a kick out of it. Um, so, so stay, so stay through the entire episode and after the end of the theme music, there will be a post credits. I'm, I'm telling you about the post credits. So make maybe sure you, you say, instead of that, maybe put it somewhere in the middle of the episode. That way they really have to listen because they could just scrub through. So maybe we'll, we'll true, hide it true. in chunks, five second chunks. Throughout now, I, I can't, I can't do it in chunks, but I can maybe, yeah, maybe we will just drop it. You know, this is, this is pre-editing. So, you know, whenever I'm feeling frisky in the editing room, um, I'll right. just kind of drop it in there because it's, it's just dumb. Uh, I'll, right. I'll show you after we record this. And if you guys listened all the way through and you didn't hear it, just rewind it and listen again. And, you know, also send it to your friends, see if they can hear it, all that kind of good stuff. All that good stuff. But yeah, happy birthday, Stephen King. Um, because, you know, again, we're, we're doing this whole month because he is just such a uh, prolific, you know, writer and such a, you know, mainstay in the horror genre. I can't think of you know, how many people, countless people he's probably inspired. And obviously, you know, his stories have uh, uh, inspired many as well. I'm trying to get the exact number on his uh, bibliography here. But man, this guy, this guy writes a lot. <laughs> he does. And I love the fact that the episode that we are dropping closest to his birthday is probably the thing that he would like to be known least for. <laughs> the thing that you said, this is his only directorial uh, credit here. Uh, and apparently when asked, you know, why he hasn't directed a movie since this, he says, like, uh, did you watch the movie? So uh, Stephen King, as well as some of the cast members that we'll definitely be talking about here, uh, not too proud of this one. And uh, I've seen it. And, you know, I just can't put my finger on why. I just can't understand it. <laughs> uh, he's called it himself. A, uh, he called it a moron film. <laughs> um yeah and uh mm -hmm. you know we'll get into some more of uh some of the production stories behind it because there's uh, some funny stuff but as far as uh his um production we got 64 novels 11 collections uh five non-fictions and has sold over 400 million copies dang like that is incredible like Dude stays busy what can you say I mean, and he's still doing it. He literally just put out Fairy Tale. Uh, he returned into Fantasyland recently, um, and that literally just came out a, a week or so ago. So the the man is still put out good stuff, and apparently uh, the reviews are really good for it too. 
Congrats, Stephen King. Yeah, you and I, um, obviously, we've we've mentioned before, not big book readers, uh, so mostly here in the movie land. But even on the movie side of things, the guy is is still super busy, super prolific. A lot of his stories have been adapted, readapted, uh, and this is uh, no exception. Even this, even this movie, by all accounts, a terrible movie, um, has been readapted. It is based off the short story called Trucks, which I think is a very funny title. <laughs> and it is. Just trucks. <laughs> Just trucks, and it and it is from uh, the collection Night Shift, which uh, was also um, has a yes. one of the smaller stories from Salem's Lot in there. Um, yep. I have read some of the stories in Night Shift. I do remember having a copy of Night Shift when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, same. Yeah, you know, like you said, we we've mentioned we're not big readers of his work, at least. Um, but it's even still like I just I have always felt the horror presence of Stephen King like you know before even watching any of his movies it was like there was this like uh, mystique that he had to him whenever I would hear people talk about him like you know and assuming this like super scary creepy dude and then you see him in interviews and he's so sweet so cheery yeah. you know such a nice guy and like com- I mean he still looks like a skeleton he has looked like a skeleton for like 50 years um but like you know so it, like just his presence is you know yeah. definitely very felt and then what's been fun about going through these is you know uh you know his adaptations kind of feel like their own subgenre you know it's like when you when you see the similar themes that he his stories are known for like you know a Stephen King story when you when you see one yeah and he also seems especially um not only in the making of this movie, but since then, it seems to have a lot of uh, like a, a sense of humor about himself, a sense of humor about um, his own work. The movie uh, that we're talking about today, Maximum Overdrive, um, literally begins with himself telling himself, fuck you and you're an asshole, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I really I didn't know that he had a, a Hitchcockian uh, cameo in this movie. And I thought, what a way to, to kick things off here. Well, he's got a lot. He's, he has cameos in most of his movies, and the thing with it is, is like, yes, this is a, his only directorial debut, but he is one of like you know I mentioned uh, I think last episode he is one author that does um, stay involved with a lot of his projects that are getting adapted, mm-hmm. whether it be the TV shows, um, uh, films, and even though he's only directed this one, he has uh, written the screenplay for quite a bit for quite a yeah. few of them, mm-hmm. uh, including. Um, he wrote the screenplay for the uh, TV version of The Shining that Mick Garris directed, which, you know, Stephen King right. is, uh, said that he you know prefers that one, obviously, because he wrote it closer to yes. uh, his novel. So, um, yeah, he, he's always uh, very involved producing, writing, and makes many, many cameos um, throughout a lot of his films. Uh, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's been a good time, and, you know, this is not the closer for the month. We'll close the month with um, I would say probably if you'd ask most people, maybe his best ad- film adaptation. We'll we'll see whenever we get into our discussion of it. Mm-hmm. But let's uh let's get into the movie for today's episode. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive released July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty six. Directed by one Stephen King, written by Stephen King, adapted from a short story by Stephen King. Um, the, again, this came from his Night Shift collection. Um, King has stated multiple times throughout interviews that he was coked out of his mind and drunk for most of the production of this, uh, which led to Dino De Laurentiis, the prolific producer, to kind of have a little more of a hands-on approach to this film. Um, uh, De Laurentiis, um, amongst many films, uh, but produced uh, Halloween 2, uh, Evil Dead 2 came onto the franchise and helped them out big time, um, and uh, many other works. Um, but yeah, so he, you know, and King had never directed a film. He describes this as a, a learning experience. Um, but, you know, amidst um, all the cocaine and alcohol, apparently he was still very fun on set and did lots of things for the crew, like have screenings of the films that were like inspiring uh this film and also uh was known for having a mean uh go-kart race uh on the set parking lot so that's always and that's always fun or a uh, golf cart not go-kart but you know what i mean yes um the score was done by acdc the band 
um, and many of their songs feature throughout on top of um, original score compositions. Uh, cinematography was done by Italian DP Armando Nanuzzi, who unfortunately uh, did not have a great time on this film, uh, suffered a pretty gnarly accident that you know he thought was going to threaten his career. Luckily, he was able to still continue working afterwards, but um, a piece of wood got into his eye, but I love that um, he had to specify it was his shooting eye, um, you know, for, for, you know, when you have your one eye closed and you're lining your shots sure. up. Um, I find that kind of hilarious. Not the injury, but him specifically making sure in the lawsuit that it's his, his shooting eye. Um, but it, it was settled afterwards and he was able to keep on working. Um, this was uh, made on $9 million budget, but did not recoup that back, uh, about $7.4 million. Rotten Tomatoes has this at a 15% on 18 reviews. Um, and then, of course, the voice of the people over at Letterboxd, a 2.6 out of 5. Um, so, Garrett, this was uh, your pick for, for the month. Of all the adaptations, we, we could have talked about something serious and with deep themes. You want to talk about Maximum Overdrive. Well, this is one that I, I honestly, I hadn't seen before. I was very aware of, um, but, uh, you know, there are lots of Stephen King adaptations out there. Um, many of them um, are excellent, some of which are even like some of the best in their respective genres. Mm -hmm. You know, The Shining is one of the most beloved horror movies of all time. Uh, it, one of the most beloved uh, horror movies of, of this uh, decade, this century, um, and so on. Uh, so there's so many movies that have already been really uh, applauded and and given so much love um, and attention and it's not that this is an underrated movie <laughs> i don't think that that's the right word for it um but it was between this and sleepwalkers i'll tell you that uh maybe that's just my uh my own personal kind of how i like to steer things here on the show talk about maybe some movies that uh do have a bit of sense of humor to them are a little bit silly um but also uh, it's stephen king's birthday and uh i'm sure that he is not terribly proud of this movie so uh, anybody's gonna talk about it like we gotta <laughs> give him some shine for it because like, yeah, we're I, gonna find the good in this because i don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be but yeah we'll and more of that. you know how are you gonna talk about the guy uh on his birthday but not talk about the only movie that he um ever directed so maybe if we return um to a, a steph timber you know uh, next year uh, or in the years prior or in the years following. Uh, maybe we'll get to some of those other movies, but uh, Maximum Overdrive is the one that I wanted to discuss today. And after seeing it, uh, I definitely think it's going to prove to be an interesting conversation, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Obviously, we can still talk about Stephen King adaptations when it's not a Stephen King month. You know, yeah. That's the beauty. He has plenty of films, and I'm sure there's a bunch of them that um, that we'll get to. And that's why I didn't choose like some of the more popular ones either. I wanted to choose one that I hadn't seen and want to explore. And, um, and I hadn't seen maximum overdrive either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like it's uh, kind of one of those movies where, you know, the, the, again, some of the stories behind it and its reputation is kind of precedes it a little bit because I don't think it's a terrible movie. Is it good? Um, maybe not. I think it's another one of those cases of like, there's a lot of untapped potential. Like there's actually some really great horror moments. There's some really funny moments in it. And I just think um, maybe an actual director would have been able to take this and like take uh, this premise. Even mm -hmm. the script that, you know, Stephen King wrote for it isn't um, terrible. But I think if somebody else might have taken this, they could have, you know, made it more exciting and a little bit more ominous, but also... Uh, lean into the more ridiculousness of it um apparently joe hill uh talked in 2020 that he wanted to rewrite and also direct a remake of this movie and nice. again he hasn't directed anything either so very funny that he was like you know what i, I want to take a crack at maximum <laughs> overdrive too but at the same time like i think uh, a more modern version or with uh, some of the energy of some of these bonkers movies we've been getting Lately, if it leaned in with some, like, imagine Maximum Overdrive, what, but with malignant energy, you know? Um, yeah. I think, you know, it, who knows? But I thought it was fun. Like, it, it's funny. Um, uh, again, you know, you, you know, I love me some uh, small town drama and uh, the isolation of this, uh, this group at this uh, truck stop uh, actually grew on me. Even the annoying characters um, in, in a way did as well. And, um, and again, like, I love the premise of this, like, of, 
you know, like it feels very twilight zony for sure. And, um, you know, we are there, there's, um, again, like, I think, you know, and I think this is kind of what I'm maybe known for here on the show is kind of, um, wanting, wanting more out of films, but, but also like seeing something being like, you know, like the, the potential here, what, what could have been is something that always fascinates me, I think. Cause uh, again, like I think some of the, with some of the sequences in here, I was like, you know what, this could actually be like a really dope movie if someone else directed it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is that terribly surprising, though? I mean, obviously, Stephen King, talented storyteller. Um, he is, you know, one of the most prolific though. and, and well-regarded storytellers of our generation. And so to to think that he would take this crack at still, yes, telling a story, but through a medium that was new to him, you know, to this degree that he's actually the one, you know, behind the camera really calling the shots here. Is it that surprising that it's like, oh man, so much potential here. It's just a real shame that, you know, somebody mm-hmm. maybe with a little bit of less experience actually took a shot at directing it. And rather than, you know, um, some of the movies that were, uh, that I'm at least going to be including in the, the movie math to where you have somebody who's really talented and prepared for something like this. Mm-hmm. I think that, maybe King or others maybe underestimated how much of an undertaking this film would be um, because there is a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts very literally as well, you know? Um, So the fact that this is really quite an operation here, um, it seems like some of the storytelling maybe took a bit of a backseat as opposed to some of the spectacle, uh, which is definitely there. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you as far as uh, I think that there is potential, you know, for an interesting story to be told here. Um, again, uh, to reiterate, we have not read the short story that this is based off of Treks. Uh, so um, I don't know if it's it's uh, better explored there. I don't really know if I need uh, a, a remake of Maximum Overdrive. I, I think if I was to want to see it i don't know if like a darker serious more scary tone would be something that i wanted um i actually kind of like the tone of this movie um but yeah it's just there's definitely some narrative uh, shortcomings here um but as far as being like this weird kind of wild uh experience that could be fun with a bunch of friends uh you know playing a drinking game or something like that i I think it would be a good time um but as a film you know with a capital f it definitely comes short yeah, I mean, I, I'm not looking for more narratively of it either. I think I love the vagueness of the movie. Actually, I think it kind of it works in its favor, especially um, with you know whenever you hear some of these characters having these like soapy, waxing poetic, you know, uh, speeches to each other. Um, it, I don't know something about it kind of works in a way, and so I wouldn't want I wouldn't want a like more serious one either. It's just like like you said, like with like the scale of this for a first time director and also someone that does not direct. Um, yeah. And for this to come out the way it did at all is impressive to me. But like, that's why I'm saying like just somebody that actually directs horror movies and then like, uh, you know, like still keep even the same tone, I guess like there wouldn't be more much of a point to remake it except for to update technology. And um, because like, I, I would kind of want it exactly like this just, just better (laughs) yeah you know i'm not a fan of shot for shot remakes but at the same time i don't think they would have to really change much just like i think it could just uh really like you know hone in on some of the horror sensibilities of it you know i feel like that's kind of where the movie is a little flat but uh let's go ahead and get into the quote-unquote plot of this movie uh with our 60 second synopsis you ready Oh, God. I was just thinking, I was like, man, this thing is like bare paper thin. (laughs) I guess I'll give it a go. All right. Got you in three, two, one, go. So there's a comet, right? It's passing by Earth. It's scooting on by, and we are caught in the tail of things. Uh, Not to fast forward to the end of the movie, but it also might be Russians. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Regardless, crazy shit is happening. Uh, You've got technology, cars, toasters, hair dryers, anything that's got a cord and electricity going through it, maybe, put an asterisk next to that, um, is starting to go haywire. It's starting to attack um, its users or its owners or its even creators. Um, You've got the group 
of small town uh, kind of uh, country bumpkins who are stuck in this diner, um, this roadside diner, um, who are trapped there by these homicidal machines that are circling this gas station like a, uh, like a, a vultures or, a, you know, pool of angry sharks um, trying to Ten. attack. They're trying to escape right. and survive uh, these mechanical monsters. Maximum well, overdrive. Thank maximum, you, thank you. Maximum overdrive, indeed. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty straightforward and, it, you know, not to, and we'll get into it, obviously, in uh, the movie map, but there's films that will obviously kind of take this similar premise and do it better, um, but there's also fi- plenty of films I've done before, so it's like, we kind of have a mixture of, we have an isolation uh, horror drama going on with them getting, you know, stuck in this truck stop, different personalities clashing, um, you know, characters kind of get added into the fold throughout the film as well, and uh, so we got a lot of that going on. Um, the, 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 the machines are depicted, yeah, very animalistically in a way. So it's like, you know, we almost, uh, got like it cause I wouldn't call these, it, it doesn't have slasher vibes. Cause I mean, I, maybe just cause there's too many of them. So it's mm-hmm. like, it does kind of have like a, a, a monster movie creature feature vibe in a way, um, yeah. the way that some of these, uh, trucks behave. And I think that is one of the, the stronger horror elements of the film. And then uh, what, what, what are some other subgenre stuff that stuck out for you? Um, there's definitely like the, you know, uh, inanimate objects that come alive or, uh, or you know, are seeking revenge. Uh, we've talked about uh, uh, the wonderful tire killer movie, you know, like that's that definitely got some vibes in that. Um, we uh, have obviously already this month talked about a killer car, which is uh, going to come up again. But it's also definitely got this kind of small town nearly republican kind of movie here there's um a lot of gun toting you know the movie takes place in uh, north carolina which is technically the south but i you know it's not like texas or anything but it's still definitely um got that small town um mm. kind of energy here um also a pretty sweaty movie too um uh, you've okay. got all of these people stuck inside a, a confined location similar to another stephen king story the mist or even cujo um i think that stephen king takes uh or has been maybe been since inspired by some elements of this to you know taken some things that have worked and maybe adapted to other works or you know uh it feels like he's kind of taken pieces of a lot of his other stories and kind of just mashed it together almost like kind of mad lib style um but unfortunately the final product just does not quite work <laughs> yeah he he does have a recurring theme of you know um sticking people in like an isolated situation of course Mm -hmm. like you know like i said like the personalities clash tempers flare um and they are dealing with that stuff but then the things on the outside that are usually out to get them are typically like things that you are you know not usually scared of things that are not things that are mundane things that you are just so used to in your everyday life such Mm -hmm. as you know machinery as we see in this movie um you know and they and there's obviously some elements of um you know some consumerism commentary but i like that they kept it very light because they know that they're not going to make some big statement with this movie with maximum overdrive um but you know they with just the sheer amount of product placement uh throughout the movie um again miller high life is my shitty beer of choice uh when it comes to shitty beers interesting i'm a i i I grew up I, i started my drinking journey on pbr is my shitty beer of choice uh, but then I moved to High Life. High Life is indeed the champagne of beers. Um, so shout, I, I got very excited when I saw just Wanda just knocking back sh- just High Life after High Life. Lo- lots of drinking. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> which I do love. That's very realistic. Like, yeah, we're in an apocalypse and we're like scared for our lives and stuff. But like, we're still going to fucking drink. Um, yeah. Fuck and drink. Fucking drink. Um, yeah uh, yeah, so but um but they you know kept the consumerism stuff light and then you know even with just uh having wanda going crazy with the you can't do this to us we made you we like those scenes crack me up so much oh my gosh yeah it's got that but it's also kind of got this 
you know, Americana, American bar, you know, or American diner. Uh, there's you know, some baseball stuff in the movie too, mm-hmm. but also like the fact that like, yes, pickup trucks do, or you, you know, these, <clears throat> these 18 wheelers, they do exist in other countries, obviously, but very predominant in America for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, America covered with highways and interstates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, go on any freeway and you're going to see the, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of, of semi trucks. So I think that there's that kind of energy to the movie as well. Um, also, as I mentioned, lots of guns uh, in the film, surprisingly so. Um, one of the lead characters, kind of the manager of this diner, has a basement that is like would make John Wick blush. Like he's, it's got so many guns down there. Dude comes out with a bazooka that he fires at these trucks from Holy the hip, uh, a hip fire, not even aiming, just uh, which I was just. <laughs> Uh, thoroughly happy with that was really excellent the, the uh, first surprise uh rocket launcher like uh yeah shot was just i was just like where did that come from this is amazing <laughs> and i love that yeah. he keeps using it throughout the movie right it's um, it's really great it, it, which uh yeah the the gun part is funny because uh <laughs> i'm so dumb when you said uh an important character when you said guns and then important character I thought you were about to mention the 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 army cart with the gun on it as a character because <laughs> no. he's like there he, he's the communicator yeah. but because that's like where one part of the movie falls apart it's like they do pretty good with it being like you know only machinery but guns don't have electricity and even if it is yeah. hooked up to that little cart I don't think that would it, it can't fire the gun. The, the cars coming yeah. to life makes sense because those have batteries and such but like- yeah that that was something that i was very confused about through a lot of the movie um i think the the rules of exactly what is being impacted here is quite confusing because it's there just are anything electric of, anything electric yeah but like not quite you know there's some stuff in the diner that uh, uh obviously like turns on you've got the little handsaw but then we see a woman like hanging out of her window with a cord around her neck and so like do, are oh, these yeah. things able to like levitate you know are they able that, to move i did around? have a question about that too because like it was like you have the hair dryer why didn't they just like scorch her face and it'd be yeah. like oh she yeah. like got like over here because we saw people with headphones on their ears were getting bleeded out and it was like okay the the volume yeah. like bled them out but yeah there's 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 a few in there but to, the the gun cart was my main concern because I was like that that doesn't make sense you can't fire a gun right. uh, you know on its own so then that's kind of when they also are like that it, file, uh, shortly after that's when like Bill is like talking like maybe they're alien like it's an alien thing going on and um you know we have all these guesses and then yeah like how at the end it's just a uh just a scroll uh, I love how a plot twist was delivered via a scroll. It's not even a plot twist, though. They're like, oh, it was Russians with their weather satellite. Like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to call it a plot twist is pretty generous. It's literally just like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Like, it just kind of throws it out there. It's like, this is also a possibility. This thing that we are given no uh, sort of, uh, I mean, if you're uh, definitely in in conversation with kind of the Americana theme, for sure, especially, you know, at this this time, the mid-80s, like, that was on a lot of people's minds at the time. But the fact that it's just like, the whole movie no it's because of this comet and you know the the emilio estevez and uh, some of the other characters even talk about it was like well you know if that is the case it could just be a few days uh but the fact that yes at the end of the movie in a text crawl which does stay for quite a while uh the text crawl was there for like a full 35 seconds which i thought was really funny um but it's just also kind of like but also Russians really makes you think, you know, it's completely, it's completely ridiculous. Um, is America the only thing that is affected? Are other countries affected too? Um, yeah, the, the rules of the movie are, are very uh, non-specific, which uh, personally, I'm a big rules guy. I, I, I want the rules to be established and set to, mm-hmm. um, and I think that there was some drama that could have been um, you know, really capitalized on as far as like, okay, what are the electronics that are in the diner? Like, what are things that could be attacking them that they would kind of have to hide from? But the fact that it's like, well, no, the power's off. So it's just cars like that to me. I know it's based off of a short story called trucks, but to me, it's kind of like one very small kind of component of what could be a potential threat in the movie. 
Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing with this because it is like a big idea, a big potential thing. Like when you think about it, like how cataclysmic it would be truly yeah. if all yeah. electronic items were under control. Like there would be so much more going on than definitely what was Couldn't happening. Couldn't do the podcast. Podcast would be done. That would be no the biggest podcast. concern. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, you Fingers crossed no maximum overdrive um, uh, comet happens via the russians um but um yeah like it would truly be a lot more devastating than what is shown in this and which you know is kind of good on one angle that they kept it more you know to make it more isolated so that way you're not worrying about everything else but then they do keep showing flashes to stuff going on like around the towns and like these other things give it so it's like it teases you with like you know what you know all these other potential threats that could be happening but yet we stay confined to the truck stop for 80 percent of the movie because like one the the ending once they like uh start you know mobile like they they like put their plan in action like blow up all those other trucks and they're on the run and like there's a, a fun little montage of them like actually enjoying like you know like uh destroying machines like on their way or whatever um, yeah. That could have been, you know, fun if like that was like happened like at the midway point of the movie. And then like the second half was them like trying to navigate it while being on the run. But then that I think that uh, for for everything that they were already doing, that would literally like triple the amount of like stuff that they are like trying for to pull sure. off. So I, I can see why they kept it a little more contained. Yeah, personally, the 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 car angle kind of wears itself a little thin for me because a lot of the times they don't they don't pose that much of a threat in the sense that they're mostly just kind of circling this diner the entire time um, and just kind of waiting for them to leave. I think of a movie like Crawl or something like that to where there is this kind of ticking clock of these mm -hmm. things. We have to navigate in and around that. Mm -hmm. In that case, it's uh, alligators or, or crocodiles. I can't remember which one, but the, but the protagonist. Well, gators, because it's in Florida. Duh. And sure, then, of and course. Then, and then uh, they the, also the, are dealing with the storm too in that one. Yes, so it's yes. like, yeah. Yeah, so multiple threats are, you know, uh, making them in danger, where for this, I found myself like not terribly engaged because they're just kind of just sitting and waiting um, until kind of the end of movie end of the movie where guns get introduced for some reason because there is like as you mentioned there's like this military vehicle that's got like a big machine gun attached to top of it uh, and they shoot a couple of the um, uh, a couple of the the diner patrons which to me again just not as interesting steamroll a kid at the beginning of the movie Man. and they show me getting shot later that's Boo, lame, Stephen King, Man, lame. We got steamroll more children. That was excellent. <laughs> like it was like first seeing the the dead kids that got uh soda cans to the head uh, yeah. was funny. But then following that up with a kid getting steamrolled. Um, you guys know we love it. You you know we love it. Um, but yeah, like uh the mo it's like they either should have expanded to have like really showing off the multiple threats. Or for me, like, I think they they could have made it work if it was only the trucks. Like, I don't know. There was, like, something eerie about, like, at the end, like, you know, when they're circling, like, you know, and, like, when you think about these 18 wheelers, they're gigantic, they're powerful, yeah. they're loud. Yeah. And I think they, like, really, like, those scenes where they lean into that um, kind of works, even though, like, yeah, like you said, like, they're kind of not as much of a threat because they're not as, like, you know, mobile and stuff like that. That car chase scene could have ended like you know two minutes sooner it's like dude just slam on the brakes let it pass you and then go the other way like it, it shouldn't be that hard but like but then that uh the visual at the end where there's like fucking just like you know 50 semis just like lined up and they're all fucking roaring like something about that is very ominous and like i think it would have been interesting if like say they're in the truck stop and then throughout the movie just like more and more and more vehicles just like keep yeah. surrounding them and like it like has like a swarm aspect to it like i think that could be an interesting but you know budget they could maybe only get seven semis for <laughs> for most of the shoot and then at the end you know they they got one day with you know 50 semis <laughs> yeah and there also are a lot of other vehicles that could be introduced in this as well like mm -hmm. there are there's like one military vehicle but like some air 
you know, a helicopter, a jet, you know, just other things, again, that you'd already mentioned that would like make the budget a lot bigger and was probably more than Stephen King had the opportunity to chew at the time, not only because he's a first time director and juggling things like that is very complicated. And cocaine's expensive. And cocaine is also super expensive, which was probably like half of the budget of this movie, which I guess we'll also talk about. Um, But yeah, the budget's not terribly high for the film. So getting all of that, um, it's again, it's mostly just a conversation of like what could have been in the movie rather than like what is here. I mean, I think think they got their bang for their buck. Sure. I uh, just for me, as far as like engaging with with the story mm-hmm. that is actually presented, not the ones that we would have liked to have seen. Um, I just think that the rules are a little complicated and there is some um, some tension and some scares and even some like comedic moments, too, because I think that's a, a very legitimate part of the movie as well. That could have been present because of what we see in the diner, but it mostly just limits itself to the trucks, which I just don't think is as creative. But we've already already danced around it enough um stephen king very famously when record uh, when uh, making this movie was uh, and i quote coked out of his mind so apparently he had like a pretty crippling drug addiction <laughs> um As while most writers was, do <laughs> while he was um working on this movie um um apparently it obviously affected uh, kind of the creative output of uh, maybe even like what he was interested in you know the kind of tones that he was interested in pursuing here i'm not gonna say that cocaine made this a bad movie. I'm also not going to say that cocaine made this a good movie. However, when I watch this movie, I do go, hmm, yeah, there is some cocaine involved here, which isn't always, uh, I guess, necessarily, as far as the output, that much of a bad thing. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to say it helps this movie and that I'm glad that Stephen King was having a drug addiction problem. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm just saying that this movie needs a little bit of energy. And if Steve got it from cocaine, then, well, you know, it's on the screen, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, it's like, which are you going to take for this movie? You're going to take the energy that's going to come from the cocaine usage, or are you going to take the clarity that would come from a sober-minded <laughs> directing and honestly yeah. i think we you know not advocating drug use but i'll take i think more of the energy and the weirdness versus um you know because I, again like i i kind of like how vague a lot of the story elements and themes kind of are um and and i think and i do kind of like um even though I know you you kind of want maybe a little more diversity in some of the uh, horror and some of the scares in this. Um, but mm-hmm. for the ones that we do get, I actually really enjoy quite a few of them. Like um, yeah. that that first uh, highway uh, bridge pileup scene, uh, which I'll you know obviously reference a little bit later, um, yeah. was really fun. I thought that like the the mayhem of it and like the the sheer confusion of the people on the bridges, like while things are flying over and stuff was like a really like well done sequence to like kind of mm-hmm. really kick off like this premise a little bit yeah it, it is really great that you've got these two kind of bridge operators who are just playing cards and then you see the controls kind of flip themselves over and then this bri- bridge starts to kind of um, separate and you know each of the vehicles on either side of the bridge start to like completely fall and uh people are falling cars are falling yeah it is like quite a way to to kick off the movie um unfortunately i don't think that the film is able to uh it it kind of starts high and kind of goes down from there to where it starts off with this really big set piece and i don't think that it's quite able to match that throughout the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. um personally that's just that's just kind of a me thing and and it's like yeah because we only get like a we get like a quick montage at the beginning too that i think would have been more fun if we would got an extended sequence of it and a little bit more of it where we do kind of see like the way that it's affecting stuff throughout the town but we do kind of see it mainly in the aftermath um but you know still kind of funny like you know the kids riding his bike through the neighborhood and like you just see a guy laying in his yard with a chainsaw on his neck and then you see you know people hanging out their cars out their windows um, I wish we kind of would have gotten like right after that bridge sequence to like see, actually see a montage of like these different things, um, you know, killing yeah. different people. Yeah, would have been would have been fun. Yeah, it's funny if you look at like some of the marketing for this movie and like some of the posters. Even some of the posters include like airplanes and like other vehicles and things like that. Um, so uh, yeah, maybe seeing some how this impacts other parts of town or other uh, people that aren't related to this diner um, could be interesting. Because even some of the other characters that we meet, they one way or another make their way to this diner to kind of interact with the characters that were were you know seen here. So I, as far as the characters are concerned. 
Um, we mostly uh, are kind of focused towards Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Um, <laughs> uh, who portrays Bill in the movie. Um, and then we also have Laura Harrington, uh, who portrays Brett. Um, and uh, nope, like <laughs> just not, not it, man. Like not interesting at all. I really like what Emilio Estevez is doing because um, he is terrible in this movie <laughs> and he has got like the most, uh, you know, kind of trying to be hick, redneck, you know, tobacco spitting kind of Republican. And, uh, I, you know, hats off to him. He is he is really going for it in this one. But there is there is not a good performance in this whole movie. Everyone is horrible in this film. I don't think everybody is terrible. I think everybody is, again, maybe feeding off of some of the energy, cocaine energy on set and doing what they can with these characters because I don't think any of the characters are written well. Um, the, the, the romance between Bill and Brett is just, we don't need it. I think it could have been fun if it was just like, you know, like I said, like, oh, hey, we're just in this situation. Let's fuck around while we're trying to deal with this. We could have just left it at that. Um, but yeah, they, they try to actually do some stuff and like, uh, I mean, the the boss, Bubba Hendershot, oh my goodness. Between him and then uh, the newlywed Connie, those two oh people, gosh. I've never wanted anybody to die more in a movie. <laughs> um, you know, it was satisfying when he died, even though he, he even, they, they did some interesting stuff with him. They like, you know, like showing his lack of humanity, but then also like has a couple moments of redemption. But then when he gets killed, I was like, thank goodness. But um. You know, yeah, it, uh, Hendershot portrayed by uh, Pat, Hingle, Pat Hingle, who uh, is uh, also commis- Commissioner Gordon uh, in the uh, the uh, 1980s and 90s Batman movies. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with that, you would know him from that. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah a, lot of, know, <laughs> a lot of character actors pop up in here. Uh, Yardley yes. Smith is a uh, was a is a character actor that's popped up a lot of stuff. We have a, a cameo by one young Giancarlo Esposito. Hell as uh, yeah. the, the video game uh, person uh, that yes. yells yo mama at a vending machine. <laughs> um, I really love it. Love seeing where he's at today. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's obviously, uh, you know, big and, and Breaking Bad and, and Star Wars and everything, uh, as well as lots of other stuff. But I wonder if he, yeah, uh, I mean, and, and then also, you know, do the right thing. So, yeah, a very uh, well-known, well-regarded actor. But I wonder if I wonder if anybody, does he get like one a year, you know, or <laughs> somebody shouts that at him in a street and he's like, what? And they're like, maximum overdrive. And then, and he's like, and then he has that yeah. person killed. <laughs> and then he has that person killed. He goes, what'd you say? Exactly. And then that person goes missing. Um, but yeah, yeah. the, um, you know, but even still like not they're they're not written well, but I, I, I think the performers actually help. They do their best they can. Cause I feel like I still do. Um, and like I said, maybe it's just because I have a proclivity to this like kind of subgenre of these interactions, but like I, I did like throughout the film, I felt like, you know, they, um, the, the, the dynamic amongst the group as a whole maybe worked really well um, because they kind of went in waves, you know, sometimes they were having good times and like having conversations with each other, but then other times they're very uh, stressed out and then they're at each other's throats and then they're trying to come up with plans to like, you know, make moves and, you know, so yeah. it's like I feel like the group dynamic as a whole works really well, but maybe not the when you but then when they try to focus in and have these like uh, subplots and character arcs for certain characters, it's just like, yeah, we, we don't really need any of this. I've never been um, a big Emilio Estevez fan. I've never got what his thing is, like what made him so appealing in the 80s. Um, but he's, he is trying his hardest. I I will not say he is not putting in some effort and there's one scene, the, the scene between him and the kid, that kid is doing the best acting in this entire movie. Uh, shout out Holter Graham, uh, the kid Deke, um, his dad dies. And like that scene is actually like very well acted, like kind of all around, uh, him and, uh, Bill have a moment like when he's holding them and then like later on. Uh, later on that scene where he like shoots the main machine he's like that's for my dad and then he like and then he like has this look and he uh hands the gun over to Bray. he's like i don't want this anymore and i was like god damn i was like what's this kid doing i was like this thespian that arrived on set <laughs> yeah um a lot of the characters uh in this uh obviously uh as you mentioned i i think 
um, the, 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 the kid who is kind of all of his friends fucking die. Like uh, he's part of like this baseball team. They all get completely murked. One of them, as we've said, gets run over by a steamroller, which was excellent. Uh, but yeah, Deke, the, the main uh, kid that we follow in this, I think is the most compelling character. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I wasn't as compelled as you were by some of the even the other members in the group as well as the uh, the leads of this. So I think that really I started to kind of uh, lose my attention here. My ability to be invested in a lot of these characters um, was was waning pretty thin, uh, which unfortunately is kind of most of the movie. You know, like oh, you're yeah. really stuck in the diner with these people. Like that's. Again, and I, I don't think that the film does a great job of providing like constant threats throughout the movie. Um, so you're mostly just kind of stuck with this pack of assholes. And I yeah. wasn't a big fan of either of them or really of any of them personally. Yeah, there's kind of a lot of waiting around with them, too, you know. And um, yeah, you can definitely feel it. And we and we mentioned this in last episode. You know, imagine this movie if we were following Deke the whole time, you know, him like trying to like navigate his neighborhood. With, yeah. While all this stuff is going on, because we've seen time and time again, Stephen King just does way better with younger protagonists. Like, I think his his kid actors are the one or not kid actors, kid characters are the ones that people relate with the most. You know, um, uh, his, his adult uh, his adult characters are, um, you know, if they're not, you know, super complicated, like right. like a Jack Torrance or something. Um, besides that, it's like we we really uh, gravitate towards these these younger characters. So it's like I think that could have also been a, another just like fun route the movie could have went. Yeah, I, I personally I just think that the when you limit it to this diner again, I know budget and all of that is a very real thing, and we've already talked about Stephen King kind of has a, a proclivity to do stories like this. I just think navigating through this neighborhood just provides more interesting threats uh, and a variety of threats rather than it really is just kind of like this circling of vultures almost like the vehicles are like as you mentioned very animalistic uh and yeah when you when you're stuck in this situation with these characters you you want to care about them you want to be invested you want to see them make it out and for me i just i didn't have the luxury <laughs> here with maximum overdrive and i think that that's where the film started to lose me as far as the energy is even concerned uh because this movie does kind of have this wild and we'll we'll get to it as well this wild almost like guitar riff of a movie uh but it's just it's just uh, uh kind of uh, loses me um throughout a majority of kind of the the middle bit there and i think that a lot of that is due to the characters and just spending so much time with them and i just really wasn't um compelled by any of their kind of stories here personally yeah um you know me as a big score guy um acdc featured a lot of their music throughout and yeah. and but it, and like you say it kind of undercuts like any of some of these dramatic moments that they're trying to have i, I when disagree it's, with that when one. <laughs> it when it's like followed up with just like with like well no there's because there's the sultry guitar and bass stuff which i actually kind of like even some of the ominous like whenever um it's the trucks and it's just the bass playing i actually kind of oh, okay. like that gotcha. but like when we're having like the set pieces and just freaking and like power yeah. chords and riffs and stuff i'm just yeah. like this uh this is not doing it for me i i do not need this yeah acdc was reportedly stephen king's like favorite band uh at least at the time don't know if it still is uh we need to ask steve about that how he's feeling about acdc these days um but yeah they uh, you know, some of the songs that they offer in this film are um, original pieces and then some aren't like Hell's Bells was a song that was already um, pre-recorded, but that I believe they do have three original songs uh, written specifically for this movie, which is wild to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are some moments that have this like almost like Stevie Ray Vaughan and kind of like guitar blues, you know, when it's Emilio Estevez, like, you know, uh, like waxing poetic and, you know, talking about his past and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's so silly, but I, I was really into that. But then there too. are other scenes uh, like where they're refilling the trucks with, ga uh, with gas. <laughs> what um, is that scene? I don't know, man. They are, like they're, they are they're, trying they're, to shoot the shit with the trucks and talking shit with them. I'm like, wait, wh what is the tone of this? <laughs> yeah, the, the trucks uh, coerce the people to uh, fill them up with gas, which I might add, the real horror of this movie is the fact that they were able to fill up a truck with $50 in gas. That That's what it costs to fill up my Prius nowadays. <laughs> that's the real horror, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, but no, the they just kind of 
uh, there's so many sequences in this that I'm just like, you can tell that it's a, a, a first time director, somebody that is, is trying to lend their hand to this, but is just kind of uh, doesn't have the skills uh, to, to tell a story like this. Uh, and it's mostly just like them filling up gas with ACDC playing in the background. And, and it's, it's for like just, six minutes. It's for a while. It's and a long it's, scene. <laughs> yeah. It's completely ridiculous, but not in the good way, unfortunately. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll say the one time, like, you know, besides the some of the more like just straight horror cues that they had, um, even though it is a very silly scene and I don't buy any of it. Um, but the, the scene where they, they do like, you know, they, they make love and they're having their uh, philosophical pillow talk um, and you got the green comet light in the background. I was like, OK, I was like, you know, we, we could have done with some more of this. I, I'll take some more vibes, please. Um, and, um, but, and he, and he does have, uh, it actually does have my favorite line of the movie and I'm sure you might think it's cheesy, but it, it worked for me, um, when they're having this conversation and then, um, they're talking about when it's get passed and she goes, well, maybe tomorrow will be our world again. And he goes, I don't know. Was it ever, Damn. you know? It, 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 uh, damn, really it, makes you think. <laughs> That's the stoner in me going. You know, man, I I, I feel that. I felt that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I will say that just as far as big blanket kind of uh, complaints to the movie cheesy is not one of them. In fact, I'm always I'm totally a fan of cheese. Like, bring it. You know, the, like I said, the movie starts off with telling Stephen King, "Fuck you, you asshole." Like, I'm fine with that. Like, I think it mm -hmm. really starts off on on the right kind of foot and, and maintaining that that sense of energy is totally fine with me. And even some of the cheesy dialogue um, is fine, too. But um, uh, yeah, uh, some of those sequences are, are paired with the cheesy dialogue. And then also like the, the sultry kind of guitar in the background was was pretty great. <laughs> it, it was like there's different it, it, there's a lot of flavors of cheese going on. And, and you know, Definitely. and sometimes in a five cheese dip, they all harmoniously coagulate and it's delicious. Sometimes they don't work out. And yeah. um, and I'll say, you know, the, the movie definitely uh, runs out of gas as it goes on. Um, yeah. cause I feel like the, the finale, like, again, like just the, the filling up scene, they're going to explode the trucks and they kind of go on the run. Like the ending just felt like shoulder shrugs. Like they used up every like decent idea that they had in the beginning. They're just like, I, I don't know. Like, let's just I, let's blow it up. Let, let, yeah. Blow up the set. Let's make the, let's make set cleanup easier, which I, I again, uh, all for a uh, nice tactile destruction you know you, you can't it's just not the same when you green screen all that so i i do appreciate yeah. that they just demolish the set <laughs> yeah even the 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 end of the movie of them you know going uh, on this boat uh, i would assume a sailboat um just based off the rules of this movie um or their their solution is to go on a boat and just kind of sail away but even that i'm like there are other boats. They are electric. Like they will come get you. So it's 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 They're this gonna... weird kind of uh, the the rules don't really seem to matter, which is just kind of a, another contributing factor. to I'm like, it's hard to really engage here because I don't know like what is a viable option for these protagonists. You know, like what aren't they doing? Because I don't. I what are the rules? Nobody really knows. They they sail away, but then get intercepted by a submarine and just get wasted. Yeah. So exactly. let's go ahead and uh, wrap up our final thoughts on the movie. We'll do this out of five. Uh, out of five what? No, man. I don't five know. steering I, wheels? Uh, sure. Why not? Five steering wheels. Um, five lines of Coke. How? <laughs> <laughs> uh, many more were done on this uh, production, I'm sure. Um, yeah. It, again, like it, for all the, the factors that were going on behind the scenes, uh, Stephen King not directing before like all the things and the ridiculousness of the movie as a whole for all those things again I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be um, you know I see this come up on some of the worst movies of all time lists it won uh, many Razzies you know all the all the things whatever and I don't, I don't think it's that bad like this is like I would watch this again like I, I, I would watch it again like just for the sheer uh, ridiculousness of it there's a lot of actually just like I mean talk about silliness like there's some ridiculous lines of dialogue in this that mm -hmm. crack me up throughout the movie and even some of the um and like I said like some of the uh, horror pieces did kind of work for me 
Um, and and again, like as we've kind of spent most of the episode talking about, like it's kind of fun watching it and then like imagine you know what you know what it could have been like, um, yeah. what what could have been. But for me, I'm gonna go. I guess I'm gonna go two and a half out of five, maybe three. I'm I'm on the I'm on the edge. I would only give it three just because I would watch this again. Like I would I would willing I would willingly watch it. Um, but is it like my top choice or anything, or is it a three out of five movie? Maybe not. But so two and a half out of two and a half out of five steering wheels. We'll go. Um, yeah, for me personally, no, this... I like three. Fuck it, three. <laughs> He's committed. Uh, for me, this is not something that I would uh, uh, look forward to watching again. Um, if it was maybe with a group of people and we kind of had that. I, I, to me, okay, uh, this is a good way that I can explain it. To me, this is a movie that you would think would be really fun to watch with friends. You would have it on. In the first 20 minutes, you're cracking jokes, having a good time. And then about 35, 40 minutes into it, you're like, fuck, I'm kind of bored. Like, this is, you know, I'm kind of over it. To me, it, this is one of those movies. It's not necessarily as crazy as it should be in some areas. Uh, the the horror uh, elements of things uh, have some fun sequences, but overall is obviously super lacking. As a comedy, there's some good jokes in there. There's some good... Uh, some like definitely a twisted sense of humor to this movie which i always appreciate and there is definitely a level of uh, self-awareness and kind of corniness to the film which i always love um but yeah as far as like a lot of the characters are concerned the rules of the movie um and then just kind of my overall ability to engage with the story uh, and really keep me interested uh unfortunately is definitely lacking uh, definitely lacking for me um so i am at a crisp uh two out of five what do we decide on horns honks uh steering uh, wheels, steering wheels. <laughs> i'm at a two out of five for me yeah you know it, it, i like uh how you described it i think this is a this is a, a good movie to start off a hangout night to, you know you start it off and like it's a good like uh, as your pregame and then, and then like halfway through the movie you can just really start getting drunk and partying hell yeah and then just uh, let it let it uh, drinking some uh, miller high lifes with you and your pals you know it <laughs> oh! All right, y'all. So it is officially lit. It's what everybody's talking about. But you want to know who's talking about it, too? We want to hear from the man himself, you know, the guy who wrote it, the best-selling author, the guy we've been talking about this entire podcast, actually. And if you follow me on Twitter, I've been uh, throwing some hints out there saying, you know, there might be a special guest, a special interview. I've been teasing y'all. And guess what? Your boy came through miraculously. After about 32 emails, I got called back. So we are going to Skype in the man himself, Mr. Stevie King himself. We're going to hear from him. And so we should be expecting his call at any minute now. Uh, That was kind of creepy. That was a little too on the nose, that timing. Devon? Hey, how you doing, man? Oh my God, Mr. King. Hey, 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 how you doing today? Oh my gosh, I, I, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. Like, sorry, sorry, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm fanboying out a little bit, a little starstruck. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for allowing me to be on your show today. It means, it means a great deal. Oh, thank you. of course. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a holiday for you. Oh yeah, it's always a holiday for me. You know, <laughs> life of Steve King, baby. Yeah, you know, it's the, it's the, the new It movie. Oh yeah, 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 I, yeah. High school. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that movie in high school. Yeah, that was good. Okay. Back in high school. Yeah, but, man. But Tim Curry's the shit. Oh my god, dude! I was for a short period of my life, I was terrified of going in the bathroom by myself. Sincerely. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, I love the I love the Tim Curry it as well. But oh, that's no, not what I'm talking work. about. I'm talking about the new one. Aren't you excited about the new one? What? Like a reboot? Yeah. What so, the fuck so are you talking about? They they they've rebooted it because you know it's Hollywood. They rebooted I, it. What do you? I okay. I that's that's cool. They're doing another one. Sure. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah, and how, sure. and you know how do you feel about it? I know I know it is uh you know it's kind of dear to your heart right? It's one of your one of your favorites that you've written. That I've written. Yeah. What? I mean, I know you've written so many books, but I mean, come on, this what, is your, bo- what this the is your f- bestseller. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, uh, oh sorry, Mister King. I, I, I totally forgot. This is like a harsh, harsh like PG thirteen like. Only PG, a few what, do, what is what is a few f bombs? I believe just a few. No, 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 no. You listen here. I'm gonna say whatever the fuck I want to say. No, 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 no. Shut the f- up. All right. I'm gonna say whatever I want to say. I don't know what the f- 
you're talking about. You called Steve King the fucking man, the fucking man of fucking bowling alleys, man. Third, third and sunshine. That's my lanes, man. Don't you come around with Steve King in Maine. You got a bowling Maine. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm from fucking Eastside, man. What the fuck? Eastside, New York. Stephen King from you're from no Steve. King, Steve Francis King. I mean, I just thought that was what it was in the email, but Stephen King, the best-selling author, the best-selling horror author. Is that what the f- you've been talking it. about in these emails for so goddamn long? I would just, I thought I was coming on to some goddamn f***ing broadcast. What, what do you, broadcast, podcast, that's what you call it. Yeah, yeah you f***ing crazy podcast. fucking people. What, do you, what is that job anyways? How much you make a year, huh? I actually don't make anything doing it. Wow, this. look at you. You live in the f***ing dream. You know what? Good for you. Good for you. I hope you go far with this. Uh, can waste my time with this shit. Okay. What the f***? Uh, okay, Mr. King. Uh, thank no, you. Thank no, you. no, thank no, you, Devon. Mr. Steve King. Thank you. Thank you. I will never get this back. Uh, <clears throat> uh, well, your boy dropped the ball on that one. Uh, Steve King is kind of a dick. Alrighty, here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we like to end our show with a fun game called Movie Math. Uh, rules are simple. You just got to take a few movies, add them together, multiply them, divide, whatever you got to do, all of which just have to equal the movie that we talked about today being Maximum Overdrive. So, Devon, what do you have for us? Yeah, mine came to me pretty clear cut as I was watching the movie. Um, again, that, that opening highway scene uh, definitely gave me some Final Destination 2 vibes. But I would say Final Destination in general, the franchise, because um, what you guys will hear in the Lost Final Destination episodes in the Patreon eventually um, is, you know, one thing we didn't tap on was, you know, we kind of talked about it tapping on these like mundane fears that people have. I didn't realize that all of them are like mechanical based, um, all the main accidents throughout the film or uh, like the inciting ones throughout the Final Destination. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just like kind of that that wondering of, you know, the things around you, uh, like, you know, being a danger, um, that element throughout the Final Destination movies. Okay. Um, and just like kind of the, the anonymity of it all. Um, plus with the happening, because I mean, tone wise, some of the performances, um, you know, you can definitely tell M. Night was, I, I, I would say, inspired by this movie for sure. Um, in, you know, the way that it happens, except uh, it's not machinery, it's the wind. Uh, love I, I the, the happenings a, a, a also fun party movie to to oh, put yeah. on, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I got uh, Final Destination plus the happening in parentheses and times it by Tremors, which I feel like does um all the things that this movie is trying to do with like as far as the isolation pit stop stuff goes. Um, it does all those things, but you know the way you should do it. Tremors is a near perfect movie to me. I love Tremors. Go back. Um, it was like episode, like, I don't know, like it's, it's in like the first 10 episodes of the podcast that I, uh, covered Tremors and Anaconda together, which, um, love both of those movies. And, um, so go back and listen to that one, but, uh, Tremors, you know, again, like, you know, the, the relationships within, uh, working together, coming up with plans. Um, and again, like if this, if the movie would just focused on trucks, like how Tremors is, you know, just has the, the, uh, the graboids then it could have been a little bit more successful. Um, so, yeah, so that's my equation. Yeah, Tremors is the movie that, like, uh, the, your girlfriend tells you not to worry about for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this movie wants to be Tremors when it grows up. Uh, definitely can co-sign on that. Uh, for me, um, I am adding together Christine. Obvious reasons. That's the reasons that you think. Yeah, it's killer cars, uh, this autonomous vibe, but also the mystery of like, what started this thing? Who knows? Like, uh, uh, there's an evil car. How did it get here? Uh, Nobody really knows. Um, You're adding that together with Night of the Living Dead. Um, people uh, living in this confined uh, or, you know, kind of seeking refuge in this confined area with uh, threats and, and presences um, around them, them trying to 
figure out how to survive uh, and to escape, but also to kind of interact with one another. Um, multiplying that by uh, just cocaine, just a lot of cocaine. Um, of <laughs> let's take it in the direction that you want to take it in. Uh, I think the messiness is there. The energy is partly there. Um, so the highs are high, but also the, that's the, the come down is also even a little harder. So uh, yeah, for me, this movie, uh, definitely file it in the hot mess category for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And and with the Night of the Living Dead one too, um, fascinating joke kind of with some of the capitalism vibes and uh, also very Americana horror. Yes, I, of course. I, I, I would never have thought that uh, Maximum Overdrive was going to be described as Americana, but it, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Absolutely. So we got one more movie to talk about in um, our Stephen King coverage. We're going to be talking Misery. Um, an all-timer for sure. Very excited to dig into that one. Um, and then um, we're going to have some big announcements next episode. So make Ooh. sure you guys listen to that one because we, we got some big announcements. That's going to be next episode is 99. So we're coming up on 100. 100th episode going to be a biggie. So um, make sure Very you guys excited. are subscribed. Uh, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Uh, you guys can uh, follow me over on uh, TikTok. I've always uh, published new reviews there. Um, I just published a review this morning, actually, of uh, Pearl. So if you want to hear some thoughts on that, I'm going to be seeing Don't Worry Darling very soon, as well as some other fun stuff. So be sure to uh, follow me on over there, as well as um, at uh, Twitter, um, at just at Garrett McDowell as well. Um, also, for some other podcast goodness, you can uh, subscribe to my uh, Star Wars podcast, Come and Villainy podcast. Uh, we would love to uh, have you guys over there if you want some more genre stuff. So, uh, yeah, that about does it. Yeah, yeah. Links to all that below, of course. And um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. Spooky season upon us. So I uh, got some fun photo shoots coming. I'm going to have some shorts coming. Uh, I'm going to be putting some things out. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye on that. And, you know, we're going to have some stuff uh, coming up in October as well. And you can also um, hear pretty soon, I'll be returning to the Incinerator podcast. Um, Garrett, I was the fan's choice. Um, I'm sure you're shocked. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely beside myself. I can't believe it. How, how could you guys have done this to me? <laughs> yeah. And so I will be returning that uh, for the Tournament of Champions. So uh, check out the Incinerator podcast if you haven't listened to that. But that'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed and don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunts Pod. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>